Thank you for listening to this podcast. The information in this podcast relates to the current practice at Epsom and St Helier Hospitals only and is correct as of the 24th of June 2020. In this podcast we are going to look at the processes for induction of labour. So I would like to ask my midwife, what is an induction of labour and what does it do to my body? In most pregnancies, labour begins spontaneously between 37 and 42 weeks. An induction of labour is an artificial process used to help stimulate your body to go into labour. It is offered if you are pregnant 12 days after your due date, 41 weeks and 5 days, or if there is a medical indication that your baby needs to be born before your body has started to labour naturally. There are different stages to the process. If you need to be induced, you may need all of these stages or only one or two. In this podcast, we will talk about what an induction is for, how it's done, and answer some frequently asked questions about induction of labour. Induction of labour takes time. It can take at least 24 hours before you are in established labour, and labour itself takes time after this. Please try to rest well before you come in for induction and continue to rest where you can throughout the process. You may want to bring something to keep you occupied in this time, like books, music, podcasts, mindfulness, colouring. The practice contractions or Braxton Hicks that start in the third trimester have been slowly coordinating the fibres in the uterus to work together and build up the muscle strength. Your cervix is the opening to your womb. Before labour, your cervix is shaped like a tube. It's about two to three centimetres long, hard like the end of your nose, and in a posterior position, which means when you're sat down, it points towards the back of your spine and the tube is closed. During early labour, your cervix needs to efface or get thinner, soften, move forward so it's sat directly under baby's head and dilate, which means open. This can happen over the course of a few hours or gradually over the course of a few days. It can begin and progress quickly to establish labour or start and stop. This is normal, everyone is different. During established labour, you have strong regular contractions which help your cervix to dilate to 10 centimetres or fully dilated and then help to push your baby out. Different parts of the induction process aim to do different parts of this process. So when would an induction of labour be recommended for me? You will be offered induction of labour if you are overdue, that is, if your pregnancy continues to 41 weeks and 5 days and you have not gone into labour by yourself. There are also a variety of medical or obstetric reasons that you might need to be induced. These might be situations like your baby is not growing as expected, there are concerns that the placenta isn't working as it should, you have high blood pressure, severe preeclampsia or gestational diabetes. You will also be offered induction of labour if your waters have been broken for more than 24 hours and labour hasn't started yet. You should understand why you are being induced before the process starts. If you are not sure of the reasons, please ask the midwives and doctors caring for you. So could you tell me then, what are the advantages and disadvantages of an induction of labour? In order to start an induction, the benefits and risks will be weighed and discussed with you. Induction will be recommended if it is felt that the benefits of baby being born outweigh the benefits of waiting for labour to begin naturally and the risk of induction of labour. Some of the advantages of induction are 
that an induction of labour is offered if there's a risk to you or your baby's health that means it is felt that the safest option is to start your labour early. It is also offered at 41 weeks and 5 days as research shows that there is a small increase in the chance of stillbirth after 42 weeks of pregnancy as some placentas have less ability to supply oxygen. If you are offered induction because your waters have been broken for more than 24 hours, this is to help reduce the risk of infection. Some people do also find it helpful to know when the process will be started. Some of the disadvantages of induction of labour are that it can require multiple methods to get labour started. This can take a significant amount of time. It normally means that you are on the ward for a longer time than you would be normally. These are usually busier and noisier environments than your home, so it is important to try to rest when you can. Induction is an intervention and research shows that intervention often leads to the need for more intervention as the process continues. For most people, having an induction of labour means you cannot use the birth centre. Depending on your circumstance, the reason you're having an induction might be something that means it would be recommended that you give birth on labour ward anyway due to the need for closer monitoring of baby's heart rates. Some induction methods carry the chance of causing your uterus to have too many contractions. You will be monitored closely so that if this occurs it can be managed. If you need closer monitoring of your baby during the induction process, remember you can still be up and mobile, but the range of mobility will be restricted. Induction of labour can be more intense and increase your need for an epidural. Induction of labour also slightly increases the chance of needing an instrumental delivery or a caesarean compared to going into labour by yourself. So you've talked about options of how my labour will be induced. Um, I've heard of a sweep. Could you tell me a bit more about that, please? A stretch and sweep is something that can be offered from when you are 38 weeks pregnant. A sweep happens during a vaginal examination. The midwife or doctor will examine you to see how thin, soft, forwards and open your cervix is. If the cervix is open enough to allow them to pass their finger through it, they will use their finger to lift the bag of water around baby off of the cervix and sweep their finger around in a circular motion between the bag and your cervix. They may also see if your cervix stretches. A sweep can help the body to release prostaglandins, the hormone that helps the cervix to soften and thin. The aim of a sweep is not to break your waters, but there is a chance this could happen as the midwife or doctor will be touching the amniotic sac. You need a certain level of hormone circulating around your body to be able to stimulate it to start contracting. If the hormone level is fairly high, the extra dose of prostaglandin stimulated by a sweep may be just enough to get things started. If your cervix is closed, then it is not possible to do the procedure, as the membranes cannot be touched and the cervix cannot be stretched. A sweep is not a compulsory part of a vaginal examination and your midwife or doctor should ask for your consent for a vaginal examination and a sweep separately, even if they're happening at the same time. If you have been booked for an induction of labour, you may be offered a sweep at your midwife appointments prior to your induction date to try to encourage your body to labour by itself. If a sweep is successful, it will work within 48 hours. It is most likely to work if your body is already starting to change in preparation for labour. You can decline a sweep. The alternative to having a sweep is to do nothing and wait for your body to go into labour by itself. After a sweep, you will be asked to wear a pad and go home to wait for labour to begin. Try to stay relaxed, comfortable, fed and hydrated and well rested. 
you may find that you pass some mucus or jelly-like discharge that could be clear, pink, brown or red in colour. This is called a show and it is normal. It happens as the cervix starts to change. You may also have some crampy period pains and tightenings. This is normal. You can take some paracetamol for these if you need to, but make sure you do not exceed the recommended dose. You may find a warm bath helpful. If a sweep is not successful in starting your labour, you will be given a date to attend hospital to start induction of labour. So what will happen when I come to hospital for an induction? And then who can I bring with me? On the morning of your booked induction, please phone us to check what time you should come in and which ward you should go to. At St Helier, please call the antenatal ward on 0208 296 2988 at 8 o'clock in the morning of your induction date. Please come to antenatal ward on level 1 of women's health in the E block at the time you were told. At Epsom, please call delivery suite on 01372 735208 at 9 o'clock in the morning of your induction date. Please come to delivery suite on level 1 of C block following the pink signs at the time you were told. Visiting times will be subject to the most recent government advice related to coronavirus. During your induction, your birth partner can be with you on the antenatal ward from 8am to 8pm. There is a chair by the bedside provided for them, but we ask that they do not get on the bed. At present, you may have one birth partner with you while you are on labour ward. This birth partner must remain the same throughout the whole process and cannot change. These arrangements may change as more evidence and recommendations are produced by the government. Please check the Epsom St Helier website for the most up-to-date advice on visiting. When you come into hospital for induction of labour, a midwife will take your observations and ask for a urine sample. You will be offered a vaginal examination to assess your cervix. The first method of induction used will depend on what your cervix feels like. If your cervix is long, hard, posterior and closed, or just beginning to dilate when you arrive, you will be offered a balloon induction or a prostin. You may only need one of these, or you may need both. If your cervix is already thinning, soft, moving forwards and dilating, you may not need either of them and will move straight to the next stage, which is where the bag of waters are broken. Whether you need the balloon or prostin and the order you will have them will depend on your personal circumstance. So you mentioned a balloon. Can I ask what that is? That sounds really strange. Depending on your circumstance, you may be offered a balloon as the first method of induction or following prostin. A balloon induction is when a soft, flexible tube is passed into your cervix. Fluid is pushed through the tube to create a balloon that inflates on the inside and sits on the cervix. This remains in place for 12 to 24 hours. The balloon puts pressure on your cervix helping to gradually stretch it and release prostaglandins so that the cervix softens, thins and opens enough that your waters can be broken or contractions start and the balloon falls out. It may be taken out earlier if your waters break or if you go into established labour. You will have a CTG monitoring of baby's heart rate prior to the insertion of the balloon. To be able to fit the balloon easily, you will need to be in the lithotomy position, which is where you recline on a bed but use leg stirrups to support your legs to hold them up and open your pelvis. The midwife or doctor will help you to do this. Mm -hmm. You will be asked for your consent to perform a vaginal examination. 
This allows assessment of your cervix in preparation for the balloon to be inserted. A tube with a deflated balloon is then inserted into the cervix by a doctor and the balloon is filled with fluid to apply pressure to the walls of the cervix. Some of the tube will extend out of your vagina. This can be taped to your leg for comfort. The balloon may be inserted on antenatal ward or delivery suite, depending on what is most appropriate in your circumstance. So you've mentioned prostin. Can I ask what prostin is? Depending on your individual circumstances, you may be offered prostin as the first stage of induction or following a balloon. Prostin is an artificial version of prostaglandin. The purpose of prostin is to help your cervix become soft, thin, move forwards and open enough that it will be possible to break your waters. Prostin may not give you contractions, although sometimes it does, but you will likely feel some period pain after it is inserted. You will have a CTG monitoring of baby's heart rate performed before prostin is inserted, and this will continue for one hour after prostin has been inserted. If it is normal, this will then be discontinued. You will be asked to, for consent to perform a vaginal examination in order to allow assessment of your cervix. Prostin is a tablet that's placed behind your cervix by the midwife or doctor with their fingers during a vaginal examination. Around six hours after the prostin was inserted, you will be offered another vaginal examination to assess the cervix. If it is possible to break your waters, this will be done. If it's not possible, you may be offered a second dose of prostin or, if you have not had one, a balloon. Prostin may be given on antenatal ward or labour ward, depending on what is most appropriate in your circumstance. So you've talked about a balloon and prostin. I've also heard um, people mention something called propess. Could you tell me what that is? Depending on your individual circumstances, you may be offered propess as the first stage of induction. Propess is an artificial version of prostaglandin and works in a similar way to prostin. The differences are that it provides a low dose of hormone over a longer period of time. Propess is a fabric tab on a string. The tab is placed behind your cervix by the midwife or doctor with their fingers during a vaginal examination and the string will be tucked into the vagina. You will have a CTG monitoring before Propess is inserted and then one hour afterwards. You will be monitored again 12 hours after Propess is given and again at 24 hours. Propess may not give you contractions, although sometimes it does, but you will feel some period pain after it's inserted. Around 24 hours after Propess was inserted, you will be offered another vaginal examination to assess the cervix to see how soft, thin and forwards your cervix is and if it is possible to break your waters. If it is not possible, you may be offered a balloon. Propess is given on the antenatal ward. So you've spoken about breaking waters. Could you explain what that means? I've heard people talk about ARMs. Breaking your waters is also known as an artificial rupture of membranes, or ARM. If your cervix is found to already be opening, thin, soft and forwards when you are admitted for induction, and if the midwife feels it would be possible to break your waters, this may be used as the first method of induction of labour. If you have had prostin or a balloon as the first stage of induction, then when it is possible to break your waters, this will be done as the second stage of induction. If you are not already on labour ward, you will be moved to labour ward for this as soon as it is safe to do so. Your baby will be monitored again prior to ARM. To break the waters, a vaginal examination is required, which you will be asked to give consent to. The midwife or doctor will assess your cervix and make sure they can feel the amniotic sac and your baby's head behind it. They will use a plastic instrument called an amni hook to make a small hole in the bag. 
you may feel a gush or trickle of fluid as, from the vagina as this happens. They will then remove the amni hook and use their finger to make the hole in the bag bigger and ensure the membranes are pushed away from in front of baby's head. You will continue to leak fluid until your baby is born. Fluid should be clear or pink. If you notice that the fluid becomes green or brown, please inform your midwife as this is a sign that the baby has passed meconium, which is the first type of poo that they do. You will then be asked to mobilise for two to four hours. If you go into established labour in this time, you may not need any further methods of induction. If you do not go into established labour, or if your cervix does not change significantly in this time, it will be recommended that you have a syntocinon drip, which is the hormone drip, to help start contractions. An ARM always occurs on labour ward or delivery suite. So you've talked about a syntocinon drip. Could you explain what that is, please? Syntocinon is an artificial form of oxytocin, which is the hormone that helps the uterus to contract. The purpose of a syntocinon drip is to give you contractions. You will need to have a cannula inserted into your hand or arm, which might have been done earlier in the process. Blood will be taken to confirm your blood group and check your iron levels and clotting when the cannula is inserted. Syntocinon is started at a very low dose and gradually increased until you're having four contractions in 10 minutes, lasting one minute each. You will be monitored closely to ensure you're not having too many contractions and the syntocinon can be turned up and down as it's needed. When you are contracting regularly, you will be offered a vaginal examination every four hours to ensure labour is progressing. You may also be offered vaginal examination if there are any concerns about your baby's well-being. There is no set amount of time that the syndosinon drip runs for. It will be different for everyone depending on how their body responds and progresses. Having syntocinon means that the contractions can become longer and more intense more quickly than your body would do by itself. It can disrupt the production of your endorphins, the natural painkillers that your body normally makes. It's quite common to have an epidural if you have syntocinon as part of your induction. Because syntocinon is given to make your uterus contract, there is a risk it could make the uterus contract too much, which can cause the baby to become distressed. If this happens, the drip can be turned down and medication can be given to relax the uterus. There is an emergency theatre team available 24-7 in the event that your baby needs to be delivered as an emergency. Syntocinon is only used on labour ward or delivery suite. So you've said that I can have syntocinon with a cannula. Could you tell me what a cannula is, please? A cannula is sometimes known as a drip or a venflon. It's a small plastic tube that sits in the vein and is normally put in your hand or arm. It's needed in order to be able to give certain medications and fluids. So you've talked around a lot about monitoring my baby um, and you also said something about a CTG. Could you explain the difference or are they the same thing? A CTG is a short way to say cardiotocograph. It gives a continuous recording of your baby's heart rate. This may be done with two pads on your tummy that monitor baby's heart rate and your contractions, or using one pad on your tummy to record contractions and a clip attached to your baby's head to monitor the heart rate. This is on the end of a wire that extends out of the vagina and sticks to your leg. At a basic level, the clip does the same job as the tummy pad, but if it works to its full capacity, it records the ECG of baby's heart and gives us more information about baby's well-being. If you require continuous monitoring in labour, use of the clip is the gold standard for continuous monitoring in labour at our trust. Your baby will need to be continuously monitored if there's any clinical concerns for you or your baby, 
once syntocinin is commenced or once you are in established labour. So that sounds like quite a lot of things we could try for induction. What happens if induction of labour is not successful? If induction of labour is not successful, you may be offered a caesarean section to deliver your baby. Your doctor will discuss your options with you. So you've talked about delivering my baby. What happens about the placenta? After your baby is born, you will need to give birth to the placenta, which is also known as the afterbirth. Because an induction means you're given medications to help your uterus contract in labour, it's recommended that this is continued following the birth to reduce the risk of heavy bleeding. It's recommended that you have an injection immediately after the birth of your baby and a new drip of syntocinone will be commenced immediately too. The cord can still be left to pulsate with these medications. The midwife or doctor will then clamp the cord and it will be cut by whoever you choose to do so. The placenta will be delivered by the person who delivers your baby. When the midwife or doctor feels the placenta is ready to come, they will place a hand on your lower tummy and pull gently on the cord until the placenta is delivered. You may feel some pressure in your bottom or vagina during this time, but a placenta is soft, so it will not feel the same as when a baby is born. This type of delivery of the placenta is called active management of the third stage. So when I'm getting induced, is my induction of labour more painful than it would be normally? Everyone copes with labour differently. Induction of labour uses artificial hormones to start labour. This can cause contractions to increase in strength more quickly than if you went into labour without assistance, which some people do find more intense. Induction of labour usually requires a closer level of monitoring for baby. While you should be able to be mobile with this monitoring, your mobility will be slightly restricted and this can cause discomfort. There are many options for pain relief, which we discuss in detail in our pain relief podcast, and the midwife caring for you can discuss what is most appropriate for you at whatever stage of labour you're at. So there seems to be quite a lot of choices. Are there any alternatives to being induced? The alternative to inducing your labour is to wait for labour to start naturally. You can discuss your individual circumstances with the midwives and doctors caring for you in order to discuss the risks and benefits of declining induction of labour for yourself and your baby. If you choose to decline an induction of labour, you may be offered more regular monitoring to ascertain your well-being and that of your baby. So if I have an induction of labour, does that mean I can use the birth centre still? If you have had a low-risk pregnancy and you are being induced for post-dates or being overdue at 41 weeks and 5 days, you may use the birth centre if you go into established labour having only required prostin, a balloon or ARM for induction. There are no concerns regarding your observations or well-being or the monitoring of baby's heartbeat during the beginning of the induction process. The water around baby is clear or pink in colour. In this case, you do not need to be continuously monitored and will continue to be treated as low risk in labour. Transfer to labour ward will be recommended if labour stalls and consequently needs further methods of induction to continue, there are any concerns for you or your baby's well-being that would indicate a need for further monitoring, your waters are green or brown in colour suggesting baby might have passed meconium or pooed whilst in your womb, this is also an indication for closer monitoring of baby or if your waters have been broken for more than 24 hours. So when I have an induction, how long will I be in hospital for? Your stay in hospital will depend on many things such as how long your induction and labour take, what type of birth you have, how feeding is going and how you and your baby are following birth. This could be anything from less than 24 hours to more than three days. On the postnatal ward, your birth partner may visit from 3pm until 8pm.